Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Spooky Stuff Radio Show. I guess that's what we're calling it, (laughs) Spooky Stuff Radio. My name is Alex Matsuo, and I am your hostess for this little 30-minute segment. And this is kind of like, think of it as like a warm-up show before, uh, you know, Paranormal Spotlight with uh, Rob and Nikki. So before I used to do like a little short segment before, um, before their show, and then it just kind of manifested into a short 30-minute show because, really, 30 minutes is all I have to give these days. So, But I'm super happy to be here, and I'm really grateful to Rob and Nikki for uh, giving me this opportunity. And, yeah, let's let's see how things go. I do have a kitty in my arms that can't seem to get comfortable, and she is insisting that I hold her. So if it's a little awkward right now, that is why. So... Ah, spooky stuff. That's what I talk about. And there's a couple of exciting things happening in the spooky world right now. There's uh, first things first. I want to like talk about this really exciting thing that is unexpected and that um, I really, I literally did not see this coming. Uh, it, the cover for Haunted Magazine debuted yesterday, and I contributed a piece to Haunted uh, Haunted Magazine. I was it was kind of a spinoff of my original Paranormal Pet Peeves uh, article that I did on my blog way back when. And then Haunted Magazine reached out to me and they're like, hey, we'd love it if you could write a version of that for us. And I'm sitting here like, oh, yeah, sure, why not, when I have time. And time is a little tricky for me right now. So I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's give it a shot. And uh, then not too long after, the editor for Haunted Magazine reached out to me asking me for my headshot. And Nothing really out of the ordinary with that. I mean, a lot of um, publications want to feature uh, the author's photo, and I was I was happy to send it. I was like, sure. And then and then the uh, the cover debuted yesterday, and much to my surprise, much to my surprise, I saw my mug on on there um, right underneath Chris Fleming, and I'm like whoa, there I am. There I am right there on a magazine cover. So I guess I'm a spooky cover girl in a way, which is exciting. So <laughs> so that's my uh, big exciting news in the supernatural paranormal world. Um, let's see, last week I did meet up with Rob and Nikki, and we uh, investigated the inn at Lincoln Square, which was a very interesting investigation. Now, what was unique about this particular location is that it's it's untouched, uninvestigated ground. And in Gettysburg, or Gettysburg, um, gosh, I get people coming at me about how I say Gettysburg. Uh, that's extremely rare. You don't you don't run across a lot of a lot of uh, locations in Gettysburg that hasn't been you know overrun by investigators. 
And <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, it was my second time in Gettysburg that week on um, Saturday, May 8th. Well, technically, I guess, yeah, or Sunday, May 8th, one of those. I was in Gettysburg uh, to investigate the Jenny Wade house as well as the haunted Gettysburg orphanage. And for those of you on TikTok, I went with Rebecca the Ghost Guide and Spooktastics. Um, this was Rebecca's first time and Kat, Spooktastics. That was, it was both their first time at the Jenny Wade house and the orphanage. And they're both um, mediums. They're very gifted mediums. And it was interesting to experience the location. I've, I've been to these two locations numerous, numerous times, and uh, it was interesting to check out the location and see it from their eyes, from new people's eyes. Uh, that's always exciting for me because, you know, when, when you go to these locations over and over again, sometimes things can can get a little dry. So it was it was interesting. And plus, I was able to get an experience I had validated. Uh, it got validated because uh, you know, Rebecca and Kat were picking up on very similar things, and um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It was very, very interesting. So uh, I, I had a very negative run-in with one of the entities at the orphanage. Um, many of you who know the history probably know about Rosa Carmichael. She's a very uh, Negative entity that's well known um, at the orphanage, uh, I, I swear, I always meet like a whole bunch of people who who end up having a really negative experience at the orphanage, and it's, it's usually it's Rosa's fault. It's always blame Rosa. So, yeah, so that's, 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 that's all the spooky happenings that was happening in my life and in pop culture right now, uh, but the meat of the evening, the, the thing that I really want to get into this evening is the uh, the congressional hearing that happened today over the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Committee. Uh, this is the group that's pretty much in charge of investigating UAP reports. Now, we used to say UFO, but now it's UAP. I'm I, Publicly, I'm not much of a UFO person or a UAP person, mostly because that community can be it's very positive, but it can also be very toxic, and I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with toxicity now these days. So I normally don't touch this on from a public perspective, if that makes sense. Uh, so there was a there is a committee meeting today. It was the uh, it was the Open C three subcommittee hearing on identified aerial phenomena, better known as the UFO hearing. Uh, that's probably what you'll see trending on social media. This this hearing was about 90 minutes long, and it was run by, um, I mean, it was held at the Pentagon. And um, I guess my, the first thing I need to say is, if you're looking for a hearing where they admit that aliens and intelligent life exist, you're not going to get that. And I mean, if we're going to really spew out hard truths, you probably never will. Uh, Congressman Andre Carson was leading this hearing, and he ha he actually had a lot of thoughtful questions and such. So present for the from the committee, uh, there was the defense for intelligence or the uh, the defense for Te intelligence and security um, director. It was uh, or secretary. Uh, it was the secretary for defense uh, for intelligence and security, uh, Ronald Moultrie, and deputy director of naval intelligence Scott Bray. So these were the two that were speaking out on the status of the committee. Um, 
the, the whole the whole thing was a bit interesting. Now, some of the key uh, some people only got like certain nuggets out of it. I ended up getting a lot because I tend to try to read people to see if I can see anything that's happening, you know, underneath the stillness of the waters. Um, there's always uh, yeah, there's there's always something there's always something a little bit deeper going on there. So. These two, Moultrie and Bray, they, to start off, Carson was uh, calling them out for like, hey, you still don't know, you still don't have a named director and you have deadlines coming up and, you know, where are we at here? And so Moultrie and Bray uh, were giving a status and Bray was presenting some, uh, some vi- video of air, uh, aerial footage of unidentified, um, unidentified aerial phenomena and <laughs> something weird just happened in my apartment right now y'all uh ooh, okay kind of spooked me a bit i'll talk about that uh <laughs> a little bit um holy cow anyway <laughs> this happened to happen right when i'm uh talking about stuff so they were so they so bray was showing some video footage of you know UAPs and they were very short videos like maybe 15 second clips and Carson wasn't necessarily um, Carson and another congressman I can't remember their name off the top of my head they weren't necessarily impressed uh, they and, and in fact Moultrie and Bray got called out for showing the committee low-hanging fruit for the UAP data uh, and Congress is concerned that they that they're using the low hanging fruit because it can be easy to debunk and decipher, but they're not looking or they're not presenting the more complex uh, footage because they can't explain it, and that could be showing that they aren't willing to that they aren't willing to look at the data that they can't debunk. And I thought that was exceptionally fascinating. Now, there was a, I think there was a 30-minute debrief after this hearing, and that was a closed debrief, meaning that the public didn't get a chance to, the public didn't get a chance to check it out. So, uh, something that Congressman Carson said that I, that I really appreciated and I thought was interesting was that he said the stigmatization of UAP witnesses need to stop so that people, especially military personnel and pilots, are more willing to come forward forward with their stories. And this is kind of a light bulb moment for me because, you know, the, the government, this particular group within the government is in charge of essentially, essentially, you know, investigating all claims and everything. But given how UAP witnesses have been treated in the past, uh, especially military personnel who have seen, uh, you know, unidentified aerial phenomenon, they're, they're not exactly treated with respect or kindly. And when that happens, they're less willing to come forward. So as this group within the government is trying to do this, you know, assuming, you know, extensive research on this topic of UAPs, they're their data is essentially flawed because they're not getting the entire story. So I thought this was really interesting to hear that. Uh, that it kind of makes you think about, even in the paranormal world, how we 
collect data and are we discouraging eyewitnesses from coming forward because they're afraid of getting ridicule from the community um, or being scanned by the community it's uh it's 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 interesting when you put it through that lens um there was another thing that really sort of alarmed me was um so and carson said congressman carson said this too he was talking about um how this is the third committee that has been created and dedicated to studying and identifying, uh, you know, UFOs and UAPs and whatnot. And this is being still being treated as like a brand new committee when they already have so much that they can build off of when it comes to this research. Something that, kind of set up a little some alarm bells for me was that Bray didn't know what Project Sign was, or also known as Project Saucer. Um, This was an official U.S. government study of unidentified flying objects um, that was undertaken by the U.S. Air Force. And this happened for most of um, 1948. And then there was Project Grudge. And what Project Grudge was, it was also ran by the U.S. Air Force um, investigating UFOs. Uh, and this happened in 1949. Um, and then after Project Sign, we had Project Blue Book. And, of course, Project Blue Book is the more famous one, um, in which took place from 1952 until 1969. So, so there, there have been different committees dedicated to studying UAPs and UFOs, and yet Bray didn't really, didn't seem to demonstrate that he had a lot of knowledge about it. And that was a little concerning for me because it's like you're essentially in charge of this group dedicated to investigating UAPs, and yet you don't know what your predecessors did. I don't know. That was something that was uh, a bit, mm, mm, mm. but also Bray, <laughs> you know, bless his heart. Bray also didn't know how to use his laptop. Um, <laughs> there was a moment during during one of the presentations of the footage of the you know footage that they were presenting. One of the congressmen said, "Hey, you know, can you rewind that? Can we get a closer look at that?" And Bray didn't know really know how to rewind or do a freeze frame. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean. Uh, the other side of me is like, oh, it's the government. You know, they they don't really know what they're doing. But, you know, I try not to believe that with my whole heart. You know what I mean? I feel like there is something there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a thing. It is a thing. So, yeah, something super concerning there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Bray didn't really know much about Project Sign or Project Grudge, and he couldn't work the laptop. Um, I, I'm promising I'm not I'm not doing a pylon on Bray on purpose. It's just something that's just happened. Uh, now, something that Bray did say that I thought was fair, um, Bray was talking about how they don't really have a lot to work with in terms of reports. And he actually used the footage that they presented as an example. He essentially said, you know, this is really all we have to work with, these short little videos, and we don't really get a lot of information from these videos, nor do we get a lot of information from these reports. So that's where some of the responsibility lies on the reporter, on the person who is, you know, filing the report and sharing their story. You need to really give as much information as you can because otherwise 
the people who are trying to take that information and do something with it, they're essentially unable to do so because they don't have the full picture. And so then they, it turns into them presenting awkward footage to Congress. And it's one of those like, huh, okay, that's, um, that's a thing. That's something that definitely, definitely happened. So, you know, something to think about there, something to think about there uh, when we're making, uh, when we're, reporting claims and everything we need that we need as much information as possible something i didn't expect to happen was carson asked moultrie about his love for sci-fi i'm not sure if carson was trying to make a case that maybe moultrie was maybe too biased to be a part of this committee but he did say he did ask moultrie like oh you like sci-fi and moultrie's like yeah i do and then Carson said, oh, can you tell us more about that? And Moultrie went on to say, you know, he grew up in, like, the prime time of, like, space travel and everything, you know, with the moon landing. And uh, he also mentioned that, you know, I mean, he had Star Trek and, all. you know, sci-fi was really uh, cutting its teeth into pop culture and mainstream media as we know it today. And Moultrie also said, and this is, this really tickled me. Walter said that he also goes to cons, like he goes to sci-fi cons. And I'm somebody that frequents the sci-fi cons quite often. And Moultrie also said, he's like, you know, just know I'm not dressing up or anything. I'm not dressing up or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm just, I'm just attending as a regular person. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, this is a, uh, this is cool. This is very, very interesting. I, I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. So, uh, you know, I thought I thought it was kind of cool. It kind of humanized Moultrie a bit, too. So maybe Carson was trying to do that. Maybe he was trying to humanize Moultrie. Um, now, something I didn't – I keep saying that I didn't expect, but, you know, another surprise I got was Congressman Mike Gallagher. He was really getting into Moultrie and Bray about Maelstrom. Um I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. So Malmstrom is an Air Force base. Um, it's an Air it's an Air Force base. So essentially, what happened there? So there was an incident in 1967 um, at uh, the the U.S. Air Force Strategic Air Command Missile Essentially, what they what they saw, I think it was like um, there was a there was a couple couple of things there, but essentially, essentially um, there was a sighting, there was a UFO sighting, and it was being blamed on like it was um, maybe it was something else, and you know, as, as all of these reports uh, as all these reports do. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so there was, there was a lot happening, but I thought it was interesting that Gallagher was like pressing about Malmstrom, and I was like, oh, that's um, that's an angle, that's an interesting angle. So uh, he said something to the effect of, um, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to find the actual quote here because you know there's a transcript of the conversation too. Um, oh, and and actually with Gallagher's line of questioning, he said he was asking Moultrie. Um, and Bray, he was asking them about technology or engineering resources that have been focused on trying to essentially 
essentially uh, trying to understand the UAP from a technological perspective. And Moultrie said, I'm not aware of any contractual programs that are focused on anything relating to this other than what we were doing in the Navy task force. So it's like, oh, I thought the word contractual was interesting. It's like, you know, are they using, you know, contractors to replicate this technology? And if that's the case, is it possible that these contractors are being mistaken for the UFO phenomena? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, quite, quite interesting. Um, anyway, so key takeaways in the last um, nine-ish minutes that I have, key takeaways from this hearing. It confirms that UAPs, UFOs, UAPs, UAPs are real. They're solid objects. They're not reflections. Um, they also don't belong to us from an official capacity, and they are not foreign. And the committee is working hard to reduce the taboos surrounding this topic. So if if they are successful in at least dispelling the taboo around the topic, then maybe, then maybe just maybe, we will start getting more interesting reports from witnesses um, because maybe more people will be comfortable with going forward. Um, I think I, I was getting the gist that they were going to discuss more during the closed debrief, which, you know, of course, we don't get to hear that. Um, but overall, I think it was a good foundational hearing, and hopefully it will set a precedent for more compelling data in the future. At least I hope so. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to share share your own opinions, you know, feel free to leave a comment on this episode on Blog Talk Radio. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective because, yeah, this, this is a thing. This is something that's ongoing and, you know, makes me wonder exactly what's in the future for us for UAPs. Now, do I think that we're going to be able to prove the existence of ghosts in, in my lifetime? I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. It's definitely a conundrum, so to speak. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of it. Uh, but interestingly enough, uh, as I and some of you who know me in my normal life, uh, my non-paranormal life, I like to do a lot of genealogy research. And so the genealogy research that I was doing, uh, I got in touch with the, I think she's the, one of the historians at Fort Snelling, which is where my grandfather was stationed during World War II. He was teaching um, American soldiers Japanese and all that stuff. Now, he actually saw a UFO. Uh, I, it was something that uh, the historian from Fort Snelling sent me. Now, I thought she was just going to send me um, just some, just some, you know, points about my grandfather while he was stationed at Fort Snelling, but she did a whole, she did a whole mock-up of, um, she did a whole, like, detailed, detailed overview about it, which I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. So um, I thought, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the email right now. So uh, that has more information if I can, goodness, having a hard time finding this email. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, so I had to, I had to look. I have to. I may have to dig a little deeper here, but um, oh maybe I found it. Maybe, maybe. Okay, so 
I'm going to do a quick skim of the summary she sent me. Um, so, yeah, she was at Fort – so my grandfather was stationed at Fort Snelling. And then um, – oh, there it is. I found it. Okay. So this UFO sighting for my grandfather – now, keep in mind, my grandfather was serving in the U.S. Air Force. Now, he was part of the – he was part of the U.S. Army, and then um, then the Army, and then the Army and the Air Force broke off from each other. So um, let me see. There is something super interesting here. Let me find. I'm going to try to find this now because I'm determined. I'm super determined. Um, <laughs> uh, here we go. I think I'm almost there. Thanks for hanging in there with me, y'all, because I got like five minutes left. Um, goodness. Oh, here it is. So this is from 1955. It's the Unclassified Air Intelligence Information Report. So this this report was signed by my grandfather. He was a captain in the U.S. Air Force. Um, it's a very obscure book. It's called The Fifth Horseman of the Apocalypse, UFOs, A History, 1955, September 15th to December 31st by Lauren E. Gross, and it was published in 1993. And the book appears to be a collection of UFO sightings, and my grandfather's report is hard to read, but it's on pages four through five, and this is what the historian can make out. I received a telephone call approximately 10.15 p.m. Thursday, September 22nd from Mr. Joe, redacted, the last name's redacted, that there was a flying saucer in the sky in the southeast direction from their house asking me to report it to the OOC at Canton Filter Center. I made the call giving my station, Hotel Metro 50 Block, telling them of the object. As I could see it with the naked eye, saw it high in the A atmosphere as southeast sky. It went to the southwest it went to the southwest at point indicating with X that there was something expelled from the object. There was an explosion, sounded like firecrackers. It was faint, and the object moved slowly. It just seemed to disappear all at once. There were two explosions or rocket flashes. Uh, and then he actually drew a picture of it. So he, uh, there's a drawing of the two saucers with notes, um, and then the explosion heard, then the rocket, smoky blue, reddish color, orange exhaust. So that's interesting. Ding. Uh, I saw, and you know, my grandfather was like one of the best people in the world, in my opinion. Other people may disagree. <laughs> but uh, he had a lot of integrity when it came to stuff like this. And I really don't think he would have made it up. Um, also, my mom told me that my grandfather would always carry a camera with him just in case, just in case, um, you know, he ever saw a UFO. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so if that if that account is true, then I'm I'm actually surprised that that account didn't make more of the rounds in the UFO world. So I'm not quite sure what to make of that. So yeah, yeah, that's all. So that's all I got for this evening. So it's basically talking about being on the cover of Haunted magazine, and then of course all this UAP phenomena, which is very you know, the, or at least with the hearing, and makes you wonder. I, I think at this point we all can agree that we're we probably are not alone in this world but at the same time if we got validation that ghosts or that's ghosts if aliens and extraterrestrials were a real thing and they came over here to introduce themselves to us how would the world handle that like I feel like even though we we accept that there is something out there the I think the world would 
still go into utter chaos. So, you know, it's like, what, what are we going to make of that? I'm not sure. So, um, but yeah, so that's, I guess this, this is the end of the first long episode of spooky stuff radio, which yay. Um, <laughs> it's just me ranting, uh, you know, in the next, uh, in the next few weeks, I'll have something a little bit more substantial and a little bit more organized, maybe have someone call in to chat about spooky stuff. I've missed being on live radio. Um, I'm really happy to be back. 90 seconds. Oops, got to move that. Um, I'm really happy to be back at Live Paranormal. Uh, thank you so much to Rob and Nikki for the opportunity once again. Uh, I'm excited to really get back into a, into this and do it on a smaller capacity. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, let me know what you, what you are looking for out of this show. Feel free to send me an email at alex at thespookystuff.com. Um, let me know if you listen to the episode, what you think, and who you want to hear from on um, the Spooky Stuff Radio, and I'll try to get people on, or I'll try to talk about the topics that you requested. I also have a YouTube channel. Um, you could check me out on YouTube. Just type in my name, Alex Matsuo. You should be able to find me on YouTube. I'm also on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, under the spooky stuff, all one word. You can find me there. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, listening. And I'll see you next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.